Welcome to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast, where we dive in deep to all things business, wellness, creativity, and activism for artists and entrepreneurs. We talk with impactful, female-driven companies and founders for an inside look at the entrepreneurial experience, where you'll come away with tangible steps to elevate your business. Are you ready? I'm your host, Phoebe Sherman, founder of Girl Gang Craft, artist and designer and marketing obsessed. We're here to learn together how to expand our revenue, implement new organizational techniques, and cultivate best business practices as we work towards creating a life doing what we love. Let's get started. Hey, Phoebe here. So excited to talk to Claire from Moodelier today. It's a little bit of a mouthful for me to say Moodelier. She is San Francisco based and we're going to hop into it in a moment. But first, I just want to check in. It's, you know, middle of the summer here in Massachusetts. And somehow already we're going to crawl our way into craft fair season. That's right. Our craft fair applications are open just around the corner. So stay tuned. I think we're opening them July 16th. So hang tight for that. We have two craft fairs again this year for our holidays. We are in Oakland, December 3rd at the Scottish Rite. And we are in Salem, November 26th, which is Small Biz Saturday after Thanksgiving at Town Hall. That will be an all indoor event. So really excited to be back in Salem again for our second time. And of course, with our favorite venue, Scottish Rite in Oakland. So keep a lookout for those apps. If you're maybe a first time applying, here's some things that you want to work on polishing, you know, maybe give your website a little once over, make sure that your Instagram represents you, maybe give a little bit of a polish to your mission statement to what you do. Basically, we are looking for a cohesive vision and original work. So let us know if you have any questions. We're here to help you be prepared for these applications. You can always ask us for feedback. You can always ask for what we're looking for. We do have more information about what we are looking for on our site, and we have tons of resources for you on our site to help you prepare for these craft fairs. We are also bringing back the Holiday Gift Guide, and the Holiday Gift Guide is our solution to those of you who cannot be in either of our craft fairs on either coast. So this is our gift guide, which we premiered during the pandemic, and we have, you know, 100 vendors, 100 artists, 100 brands on our site. So this is a shoppable guide that we send out to our community of small business lovers, and they can find gifts for their loved ones or themselves on our gift guide. So this is really great. These You can sign up for different levels of visibility, and we'll get into that at a later time. You can check. You'll be getting an email right to your inbox if you're signed up for our newsletter. If you're not signed up for our newsletter, go ahead, sign up for our newsletter. So this is a great way to advertise your business to our small biz community and beyond. We do put some ad money on it as well. And it also helps your SEO because the more websites that you are listed on, it helps how you show up in the search engine in Google. So let me know if you have any questions about our directory. We will be launching that the same time as the craft fair apps as well. And even if you're in our craft fairs, this is a great way to further advertise to our community so small business lovers can shop from your brand. (laughs) Okay, we'll hop right into the episode. Thank you for listening thus far. Let's get into it. 
Hello, creatives. Welcome back to Girl Gang Craft, the podcast. Super excited today because we have Claire from Moodlier. She's San Francisco based. And if you're on video right now, her office is like the cutest thing ever. So if you're not on video, maybe just pop over to her YouTube to just see how cute her office is. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. Thank you so much for having me, baby. Thanks for being here. Do you want to tell our community about who you are and what it is that you do? Yes. So my name is Claire Xu. I'm originally from China. I moved here in Bay Area about 10 years ago. I run a business called Modelier, as Phoebe said. We help creators to create school-stopping visuals through a collection of immersive pieces and online resources such as courses, blog posts, downloadables, etc. We love it. And I feel like there's a lot of kinship between our two communities. So that's one of the reasons that we wanted to talk to you. And we've worked with you before in the last small business summit, and we were hoping to have you for this small business summit. And unfortunately we're not having it in person, but so really excited to sort of dive in a little bit deeper and talk about how you started all the things really great resource for small business owners. And I mean, I'm looking at my own pieces right now that I have the really good items for photo graphing your own work as a product-based business. And then you have tons of resources for both product-based businesses and service-based businesses. So our community really go check them out. And their feed is like the most colorful, pretty aesthetic thing ever. So, (laughs) so, okay. How did this come to be? How did you start this company? Tell us about your story. Yeah. It all goes back to like 2018, 2019, when I was freelancing and just like worked on a lot of a different project. I was working on some events, pop-ups for like bumbles or just for Soho houses for, you know, few projects here, there, but they're more for live events back before pandemic, obviously. And I've also worked on a lot of photo shoot sets as a stylist. And I also was freelancing as a photographer while just kind of taking projects here, there, as well as I was working for like a boutique shop locally. Also later, I also worked at a tech startup, sort of like a retail fashion tech startup here in San Francisco. And I had a huge burnout working at the startup. And then I just realized that I'm the type of person it's not going to be able to climb the corporate ladders. I have to create something on my own. And it's just more suited for my personality and my creativity. Because the way my experiences are, it's kind of multi-fascinated. I was, you know, working for retails and I was working for tech startups. I was working for like a florist, a event designer, photographers, set stylist. So I have like a little bit of a combination of knowledge. While nothing is a super, super in-depth, like somebody who is a florist for like a decade. I was a florist for a couple of years. So that was kind of like well-versed in the different roles for my experiences. So I realized there is a lack of industry there that I had a hard time to sourcing these beautiful pieces that is more 3D, the more immersive for my events, 
like some stuff you see in my like background in my room like these type of things is really hard to source we actually have to like handmade some of these with wood in my back then in my little studio apartment which is sort of like hectic and disaster so i realized it's very hard to make these things and then after my burnout from the startup, I felt like I could have started a collection or brand is sort of making these pieces. You could use it for events, for photo shoots, or just like a home decor piece. It's more conceptual, obviously. So it kind of all started from there. And one twenty, I registered a business late 2019. And one pandemic hit. I just had no excuses to kind of putting things off because I was losing all my freelance gigs. So it's kind of a kick on my butt. I'm like, oh, I have to really launch this thing now, put it on the internet. So, but I have been working on my branding stuff since the beginning of 2020. So I launched it officially 2020 June. My pieces, the collection also the online courses as well so that's kind of how it started it's not a really straightforward it's kind of like because of my experience this is sort of lead into this idea of having this brand and later on leading to oh i wanted to have a holistic approach for modelier it's not just giving you the tools aka the pieces but also the knowledge to back you up to really creating something beautiful because what i've learned that is even if you have the best tool, but it doesn't mean it's not equal. You will create something beautiful. You really need the skills and the knowledge to back you up. So that's sort of like the idea behind my brand. That's so inspiring. And I just feel like you made it happen so quickly. So, I mean, seriously, congratulations on that. I mean, you know, I've been watching you. I feel like I thought that you started your business before that. So, I mean, that's awesome. And it's really clear how all of your experiences from all these different, I don't know, things that you've done have come together in this really beautiful way. So, I mean, congratulations. And it's so holistic, which feels really what our community needs some guidance to how to photograph their own products and, you know, how to create video and how to use these things in a way that's going to make a statement and convert. Okay. So question for you though. So clearly you've done a lot of freelance and working for yourself. What is your favorite thing about being your own boss? Favorite thing is it's my favorite thing, but it's also something I don't like is the freedom. (laughs) I like the freedom part. Obviously, you can have your own set schedules, but I don't have a team with me 24-7. Like, I don't go to an office, so I don't have a set schedule. I don't have a routines, which is I really want these things, but it's very hard for me to kind of give myself a set of routines while I'm just home working by myself. So that part I don't like. Or it's something maybe I could work on, but I do like the flexibility and the freedom I have. And it's something I'm still fascinated until today is you can really take your idea and put that into and your dreams and put that like put that idea into a real action, then you can really make it happen. And whatever you can think of, then you can make it happen. That's it's still fascinating to me. And you would not be able to do that if you're working for somebody else because you're working on somebody else's ideas and dreams, not your own. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And I agree with that so much. And I think a lot of our community really agrees with it. The, like the desire for freedom and then like, what do you do with it? And, (laughs) and how do you hold yourself accountable and how do you like show up at your desk every day and, you know, actually follow your plan that you've created or like, how do you even make a plan? So, I mean, yeah. How do you keep yourself motivated? Well, if you send a contract with people, if you have a set of deadlines, for example, we have the podcast today and then I have to show up on my desk to talk to you because we made it plan. Part of my strategy to keep myself accountable is to making plans, but the plans is not just me, it has to be involved with others. So when somebody else's life or work or anything depends on me and I perform the best or I show up the best, that's just for me. And that's my personality. I work better or more motivated when I'm working on a project that involves with other people. So I think that's sort of how I keep myself accountable or schedule meetings. I have a VA, so I schedule meetings with her. So that is like a chunk of time. I really like devote my time and put my very focused and having all my tensions into that meetings. So that's also how helps as well. Cool. Yeah. I think I love that holding yourself accountable with other people. Cause then you like, exactly. You have to show up, but how do you make yourself show up? If like, do you have a task list? Like, how do you motivate yourself to get that stuff done? It's a hard, I don't always like hit my, you know, deadlines. I don't always like check off my checklist on my notebook, but I try to have, this is something I'm still trying to work on, but it's something I think is really helpful. If this is really small tasks that you can just finish in like two minutes or two to five minutes, you just do it right away instead of like right, putting it off and write it on like a piece of, you know, paper. But if it's a larger task and you absolutely have to do it at some point, and I think to make it a priority each day you have three top priority on your list and the follow through that three major things or even just one big task and you have to absolutely finish that before you can do anything else so I guess you know having a priority on your task each day and also for small tasks I recommend just do it right away otherwise you will forget about it <laughs> yeah absolutely Okay. Changing gears a little bit since, I mean, you are a maker, you made these amazing objects. What was that experience? Like, do you want to talk us through about a little bit, how you decided to like what your design process is, and then also about your manufacturing process and how that's been for you? Yeah. I don't know if I'm a maker. I don't know what's the definition between a maker or a creator or a designer, I feel like I'm like in between. I think it's all the same. (laughs) There's so much crossover. (laughs) I'm thinking about when I think about makers, they're actually making it with their own hands. For but in my case, I don't make it with my own hands. I like you said, I actually have a manufacturing process. My manufacturer or fabricator currently in China, and I just send my design drawings, the technical drawings, and then they you know, manufacturing for me. In terms of that process is actually quite complicated because my brand or my business, we design something unique and from scratch on our own and we have to develop this product. The process of developing a product is quite draining and long because you 
have to, especially during the pandemic, and that you can't really physically fly to the factory and touch and see the materials. And you can't really like see the whole process step by step. So a lot of communication is through videos or texts or messages. So that made the process a little bit harder. I want to tell you like example of how like one piece we're developing, trying to launch next month is for a home. It's a larger scale, you know, physical pieces that took me almost a year to develop because even just for samples last year i got probably more than 10 different samples from this one thing just because every time i get sample there's something wrong with it there's a flaw there's you know i need to later i need to change the material i need to change colors i need to change the way they make it so that process is very long if you are developing a new product from scratch that you have not seen anybody else on the market have done similar stuff so that is hard but if you are just doing something like drop shipping you go on like alibaba to search a factory already producing these products and then you can just purchase them from them directly or just like a change of color or change of material or something that is really quick and fast. But if you want to develop a unique product that you have never seen it in the market from scratch, that product development period is going to last you very long. I like in my head, I was really naive. Oh, I'm going to launch it in the summer, like summer hits. I'm like, oh, this is definitely not ready. And then I have to, you know, change things. And in my head, I'm like, I'm going to launch it before the holiday season. And when that happened, it didn't happen either. So now I'm trying to finally launch it next month. So that process is kind of complicated and also very time consuming if you are like a solopreneur or very small team doesn't really have a lot of money and i forgot what was the other question besides manufacturing process i don't know just the design to me the design process process. the design process i think like any other product design process is you first find some inspirations and then we draw it out, sketch it out on a piece of a paper, and then we take it into make it, you know, then we make technical drawings, which is, you know, the specs, what we call, and then we put it into rendering to look at it, see if it looks okay. And then you give that drawing to the factory and you discuss all the details and they produce it for you. So that's sort of like the design process. That's so cool. Do you look at other businesses' websites and sort of yearn for yours to be that polished? I get it. Your website might be holding you back. I know ours was, and I was very attached to it when I did our website back in the day on Squarespace. I did our logo too, and you know, I'm an artist, I'm a designer, and I was feeling very attached to those things. But Meredith from Quixotic Design Co. literally slid into my DMs and was like, do you want a new website? And it just, you know, it landed on my plate, landed into my lap. And the answer was, yeah, yeah, I do need a new website. And oh my goodness, am I so glad that we committed to a new website, Quixotic Design Co. with our girl Meredith. 
Our website was done like right before the pandemic. So having this beautiful, polished new logo and website that was easy to navigate and represented our brand in a new way and where we were headed, it put us on the map for the pandemic. It made our business like flourish in the online space where we we maybe wouldn't have flourished as well with our post, with our past website that I did ourselves. So if you're thinking about investing in personalized, customized website, I highly suggest checking out our girl Meredith from Quixotic Design Co. If you mention my name or Girl Gang Craft, she'll give you $100 off. And it might be time. It might be time to invest in a new website because you are maybe leaving money on the table. When people arrive to your website, they want to be wowed. They want to be held. They want it to be moved along to each step of the process. And that's going to convert. That's going to result in revenue, sales, profit, and it's going to bring you in a direction that you want to go with your business. So head to quixoticdesignco.com. You can send her a little message and say you're ready to get your website. Yes, it is an investment. Yes, it is a commitment. She does have payment plans, but we made that money back almost immediately. Don't leave money on the table. If you are ready to invest, hit up Quixotic Design Co. So, okay. Your life-size pieces, that's what you're launching for next month or probably by the time this podcast is out, it'll be out. Yes. Yes. So So are those the items in your office right now or are those sort of a different It's sort of like this thing, like right here is, I call it a baby cubes and there are two styles. One's one-sided baby cube. The other one's like double-sided baby cube. The idea is you can really make it a modular depends on your knees. You can connect them horizontally and make them really long as like a coffee table. You can separate them and by itself, it could be a set table or a stool people can sit on. For retails, they're really good. You can like stagger them tall so they can be a pedestal. So it's really like make your own and modular pieces. And then you can have it either for your home or just like for your retail space or for photo shoots. All sides are painted so you can use any size. That's so cool. I'm really like personally excited for those. I mean, I really think that those are going to be such a good, I mean, they're going to be so needed. Everyone's going to want one. So, I mean, something like big like that, I mean, first of all, how was like putting all that money up front for that? How has that process been like? Are you doing any sort of like Kickstarter or getting investors? Or are you just investing your own money? Or what is that process like to put all that yeah. money up front? Yeah, that is actually one challenges we're having, right? Like the cash flows when you are working as a product-based company, you always have to put money up front. So my strategy, I don't have a Kickstarter or GoFundMe type of thing. I don't have an investor, so I'm fully self-funded. And then my strategy is to try to talk to your manufacturers and hopefully you can get a minimum order lower so you don't have to put a lot of money up front. And I always try to put, if it's a new manufacturer you, your factory you're working with, I try to put lower like 30% a deposit 
and then from there, and you can, if you can, if you have the time and turn around, you can put your product on pre-order. So kind of buy yourself a little bit of time and then get some cash in and pay it off for the remaining fees for the manufacturing, if that's something you can do. But it is honestly, it's quite an issue for me as well, because I do want to, a lot of people keep on asking me like, where these larger pieces? Oh, we want more colors. But the reality is I don't have the funding to keep on getting new inventories without selling my current inventories. It's quite a bit of a money problem, like cash flow problem. So yeah, that is an issue for me. I'm sure it's an issue for a lot of a small business who outsourcing their products. So what are your items made of? What are the big items made of? Are they the same as the small items? The material is actually different with the small items. The small items are wood. The bigger yeah. items, we tried with wood at first, but I realized because I keep on shipping the samples from the factory to me and a lot of the samples just got damaged because they're so bulky. The packaging is really hard <laughs> to make them securely shipped to me overseas without damaging anything. So we en- ended up changing the material. So now they are powder coated metal. So they're not wood anymore for the larger pieces. Fascinating. And so are you sending out everything from the US or are you doing like drop shipping and you have a warehouse in China? So I have a warehouse in China currently. Last year, I wanted to move my fulfillment from China to the US. But I'm sure you know this with pandemic, there were just so many shipment in like the Oakland port or the Long Island port in LA. There were like 80, 90 stuck on the port can unload their stuff. And also because of that reason, the shipping by sea normally is fairly cheap, has like asked, I don't know how many times, is actually quite expensive. Now, and I just didn't want to take the risks of putting like a bunch of stuff on the boat and stacking on the port. And I don't know who can, like one can unload them. And also, I don't know if it's worth it that I already have like a current, have a good workflow shipping these out from China to other places. So I kind of put a pen on it and just wanted to see how things goes this year. Maybe I would do it. Maybe I will not. I'm not sure yet. And are you only selling direct to consumer or are you selling to, I mean, I guess businesses too, or to like, are you doing large scale business selling too? Um, It depends. Some people reached out (laughs) as like individual, but purchased in larger amount. So I'll give them a discount, but I'm recently trying to get into wholesalers, online wholesalers, but the wholesalers, I realized I don't know if it's like a really suitable for my business model because everybody in the online wholesaler, they're recommending minimum orders $200, which is, and they all asking 50% of a discount. And they also taking 15%. And I feel like, um, like where am I making any money? <laughs> it's the 200 yeah. minimum orders. Like, if as individual, because you purchased my product before, you know, like most of my products over a hundred dollars. So if you yeah. purchase one, it's already a hundred something. If you purchase two, it's over a hundred. So 
Yes, I'm actually in some wholesale platform, but they all recommend like 200 minimal orders. So I know I cannot do that. So my minimal orders is a lot higher than what they're recommended. So I also don't know if that is really attractive. And I also don't think that's very competitive compared to other retailers on the wholesale platform. Fascinating. So, okay, changing gears a little bit. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what kind of courses you offer? Yes. So we started with photography courses, styling, photo shoots, product photographies, and then we branch it out to brandings and like portfolios and like proposals, just more diverse courses instead of only focus on photographies. But we're still trying to having some photography or photographer interested courses every time we launch. For example, we're launching a course next month, February, and that course is called Bring Your Brand to Life. It's a four course bundles, three of them, three of the courses is more oriented with how to build a brand and the visual and language aspect of building of a brand, but also one course is about hero image. So that one is geared towards two photographers or stylists. So that's sort of currently where we're doing a big chunk of it is about photography, but another big chunk is all about creatives and brandings in that sort of area. Awesome. And then are you teaching these classes or are you teaming up with other creatives to teach the classes? So far, I have been teaming up with other creatives just because I think though I have something to offer, but I think it's just a better business or it's a better experiences if I can gather a group of people who just, you know, are killer in their industry in what they do. I think we'll have a much better impact for course participants and also will be more different because you see like different faces everybody have different teaching styles you know different personality to shine through through their videos I think it's just if you want to see my face and a like I don't feel like I'm the best person on camera or teaching it though I do want to do it eventually but I think it's just like more for entertaining reason I think it's more fun to have different people yeah that's awesome So, okay. What advice you have such a beautiful aesthetic, which you've talked about a number of times, your social media, your website, I mean, clearly your office behind you. So like what advice do you have for creatives who are sort of striving for your beautiful, colorful aesthetic? Yeah. Yeah. So for a colorful aesthetics, I feel like it's becoming more of a trend that nowadays brands or people are liking more colorful things, but also felt like it has to be true to who you are or who your brands are. And it can be just because it's a trend you have to, and you feel like obligated, you have to do it. If you don't feel like color is bringing your joy and it delights to your life and your brand and then don't do it because that's just not right but if you wanted to have that kind of aesthetics obviously finding inspirations but do not ever to copy a same exactly color palette from another person or another brand just to be more original in your own brand or your personal brand or your business So that's sort of like the idea or like the goal I always tell people or trying to at least follow that goal myself. 
And I would say, don't afraid of using colors if that's something you love. And I feel like a lot of people, especially like five years ago, there's just a lot of like the minimal white, like beigey color, powdery pastels are super popular, and especially just like the white. This is very minimal look, and I know a lot of、uh, people or even designers who are afraid of using colors. They don't want to make it too overwhelming, and also they don't know how to use the colors. I would say, like you know, test it out and don't be afraid. And I would say, the color trend these days, especially for Gen Z, is more bold, bright, and vivid instead of more like toned down or a more pastel. But obviously, there's still a lot of muted, like earthy tone color palette. I love. But I'm speaking of like in terms of Gen Z, they like more brighter, you know, vivid colors, big color contract. If you are targeting Gen Z buyers, yeah, it's so funny that you bring up the minimalism thing too, because I mean that aesthetic was so popular, and that was never me or my company. Also, so we really want embrace the color, and it's so crazy to see the color really coming back. I mean, but again, you know, these trends are always going up and down. Exactly what you said. Stay true to yourself, and I like also this idea of, you know, you can change a little bit. You can change and grow, and your brand doesn't have to stay the same.、Yeah. And don't be scared of change. I、mm-hmm. mean, I get this question all the time: like, do I need to like start my feet over again if I do a new brand? And oh my goodness, like, no, just keep on trying new things and experimenting. Yeah, I love that, and especially what you mentioned as brand grows, that you do need to evolve. And I have experienced this currently. Like obviously, my branding are pretty strong, but and I realized in the area of my you know social creatives, I realized oh maybe I need like a different font. I need like a bolder font, which I didn't have at first. So that just saying that you, when your brand grows, their brand presence grows, then you do need maybe adding different elements into your current branding, and then that is okay. But definitely have strong branding. Have you know brand guideline that you always can refer. Or if you hire branding designer or a graphic designer, you can always show them this. You know this is our deck. Do follow these. Even your copywriter, you can have like voice guidelines for your copywriter in place as well. Just to keep your brand consistent throughout any places your brand has a present. I love that. Okay, here's another question for you. How did you know it was time to hire a VA for your brand? I think this is different for everyone. If you are doing, obviously, financial is always a indicator. If you are bringing money in your business, then you have the flexibility and luxury hiring a VA. And then you'll feel like you're stretching yourself too thin, and that's definitely another indicator to hire a VA. But also, like a lot of your tasks is really day-to-day tasks. Once you have a system figured out, like say your social media strategy or scheduling that type of things, a lot of things are repetitive. Once you have a system in place. It's not necessary that for you to do every single little things on your own anymore. That's also 
and something you can teach somebody else and then they can quickly pick it up and then that's an indicator and then maybe you could hire a VA to do these tasks and then you just focus on more of the in innovative tasks or like the future of the brand or what new products you're developing, you know, the things you can now teach another person to do and then definitely focus on those, but the things you can hand it over or delegate it to other people. And if there's a lot of tasks like these, and that's also an indicator to hire a VA. Yeah, that's great advice. So what is your like overall growth strategy for 2022? How are you getting your business in front of new customers? Yeah, it's actually interesting because my business started online, but this year I wanted to get into more of like West Coast craft, you know, this type of things that can really put my product in front of real people, not just people on the internet. I mean, they are real people, but in person. <laughs> so I think that's sort of like one of my strategy to attend more of like trade shows will bring me more traffic to see my product in person because I realized that my product when people see my product, they realize, oh, this is really good quality and this is fun. So I don't get that kind of a treatment online as e-com because people cannot see. And a lot of time people kind of compare, not a lot of time, like people are probably comparing my product with some other cheap, just prop product, which is made by really cheap qualities. So I think it will be a good idea if people can see them in person. So that's one of my strategy. And again, obviously posting on social consistently, having ongoing relationship with your customers through emails, doing Pinterest to kind of gain more eyes on your content. Because I know Instagram doesn't do as well as for that purpose, doesn't do as well as Pinterest. Yeah, I think those are the ones I can think of. Yeah. I mean, those are all great strategies. I mean, I absolutely agree that your products in particular are so great in person. So getting them in front of people's hands and eyes is such a great idea. And I know that applies for a lot of our community as well. They want to touch and hold things and yeah. But I mean, you've also done such a great job of getting your stuff on e-commerce and it like feels like you could touch it. So I think that's really important. So what last final advice do you have for creatives who sort of want to go for their gold and go full-time into their business and expand? What sort of things would you leave our audience with? I think there is really not really like innovative advice here, but I think just to be a little bit cliche, then you just got to start and start somewhere. It's really important to be waiting for the perfect moment or to be waiting for your product or your services, your craft to be perfect. And then you just kind of have to start. And once you start and you realize a lot of things actually changes, like it's not the reality is always different than what you're thinking in your head. So as you do it, and you will reiterate, you will pivot, you will change, you will learn, and you will kind of invent something new. So I think my advice is just go for it. But try to if you decided to start doing the things you love, you have to really 
put effort and time and to be consistent with that. Otherwise, you will just get basically you wanted to get a really good momentum going when you start. So that will help you motivate you keep on growing, keep on going. If you all of a sudden stopped and then you are losing your momentum, and then that is kind of hard to pick it back up, and you're likely to give give up. So I think when you start building yourself a good momentum is very important, and it is a key for you to not giving up. And also, you really have to do love what you do and passionate about what you do. Otherwise, you will give up when there's difficult time. I'm sure you also know that. I think that's totally great advice. You just got to get started. And I love it because if you get that like object in motion stays in motion, object, <laughs> object stands still, stays stand still. And I know that really applies to you as well. So thank you for that. Where can our audience find you, Claire? It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Where can we find your items and your courses? And yeah, tell us where we can find you. Yeah, so we're on Instagram at Moodelier, M-O-D-E-L-I-E-R, Moodelier. And we're also on Moodelier.com. We're also on Pinterest, same spelling, Moodelier. So that's where you can find us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Claire. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you so much, baby. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for listening to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast. Head to girlgangcraft.com slash podcast for show notes and more. See you next time.